you want to open in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah 61. We have been in a series. Now this is the fourth week. So for those of you that missed the first three, uh, you can catch those online and, and catch up a little bit. I'll give a brief overview to start. But this is a scripture that uh, we really feel it is for now, for all of us in, in this body of believers, for us in this church family, and that God is going to really do some amazing things through us. We have only got through the first two lines. So um, we have gotten through just the first two lines. We haven't even gotten through one verse uh, it's so rich. You know, the Word of God, sometimes we, you know, you can just take just a little bit and just get a whole lot about it, just one little little piece. And then sometimes God has you where you just read a whole big chunk of something and get you this whole big picture thing. So it just depends on what God wants to do. So He's zeroing in for us right now. Last week, uh, or two weeks ago, uh, we talked about uh, the first section, which says the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. And we identify that this is the spirit of God. This is the Holy Spirit, that we are not interested in just being spiritual. We are not interested in a spiritual experience. We want to know which spirit it is that is resting upon us. We don't want any other spirit than the third person of the Trinity, God himself, the Holy Spirit. And so we talked about stack, the stacked names of God in that first line there. And I can't go into that right now. We've gone into some of the Hebrew words. Last week we talked about the anointing. What is the anointing? We talked about uh, that the anoint the word anoint means to smear or to rub. And if you think of oil rubbing into something and saturating it and changing what it looks like and changing its nature on the inside, that's a picture of the anointing on our lives. It's where the Holy Spirit comes upon us. He begins to rub into us. It's not, it's not just something that comes upon us in a church service, not just the anointing is not just for Sunday. It's not just for somebody that's on TV talking about it. The anointing is for every believer in Jesus to live as Jesus did in this world. And I want to read uh, the definition I read at the end of the message last week, just because it's so good. This is a book by Leslie Kegel, who's an amazing man of God from the nation of Sri Lanka. He's the global leader for the Global Council of Foursquare. And uh, this book is incredible. Um, It says this, While all believers are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, the obvious truth is some walk more closely in the Spirit. The anointing is an impartation of someone, not something, that brings glory to God. It is not a flow of some supernatural energy or power. It is a person, the Holy Spirit in our lives. And he quotes Bill Johnson This anointing is actually the person of the Holy Spirit upon someone to equip them for supernatural endeavors. Therefore, the anointing is a lifestyle of intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit as Jesus perfectly modeled. Who wants this book? I only got one more to give away back there, I think, so... Don't, you better be here next week. <laughs> What's that? We can order more. So we can order more. Um, 
Let's read the scripture to get, uh, let's, let's go to Isaiah 61. Let's read a few script verses here. I'm not going to read the whole thing this week. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. The anointing has already happened. It's not something we're waited for. And we looked at the New Testament too that says, hey, you have an anointing from the Holy One. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, or some of your Bibles might say a spirit of heaviness. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. I'm going to stop just in verse 3. Uh, I encourage you to at least once a week while we're in this study, go to Isaiah 61 at least once a week and read through it during the week. Just let God speak to you individually through it as He is speaking to us as a, as a church family. And so we're going to talk about the third line today of verse 1. The third line of verse 1, it says this, to proclaim good news to the poor. And I think it's so amazing that how God sets up something. Because uh, Greg was, uh, was sharing with our leadership as we prayed this morning about going back to when we first met the Lord and that first joy that we had. And then Kim gives that testimony uh, about her, that being stirred in her hearts, because that's really what we're going to talk about today is good news. We have good news. (laughs) And so the anointing, if the anointing doesn't bring good news, it's not the anointing. Because when the Spirit of the Lord is upon someone, He is bringing good news. That's the news He brings is the good news. You know, we all know about bad news because that's the only thing on TV anymore, right? It's amazing how attractive bad news is to people for some reason, right? You know, know, we're, we're captivated by it. We're like, you know, and look, it can go, I'm not talking about any particular station. It's all slanted one one way or another, whatever. I don't want to get into that. But, uh, you know, if you got this type of president, then this station is going to be harping on them. If you got this type of president, then this other station is going to be harping on them. And it's going to be all bad. It's going to be how everything's bad, how all of this is, is wrong, everything's going wrong. But here's the thing. With Jesus, things are going right. There are things going right in the world in the kingdom of God. And we are the ones that get to proclaim the good news. So I want us to look into this word here. Uh, the word good, good news there is, is one Hebrew word, basar. And it means to gladden with good news, to announce, to publish, to preach, or to show forth. So I think it's so interesting. Of course, yeah, it means good news, to pro- tell good news. But it also means to show forth. And I'm thinking about the demonstration of good news. The demonstration of good news. See, here's the deal. The good news of Jesus comes with a demonstration of power. It comes with a demonstration of reality. You know, Kim, when 
Where are you? There you are. You know, when, when Kim and Tommy came to Jesus, there was a demonstration of power in their lives that set them free from drug addiction. That when they, when they began to walk with Jesus, those things begin to be less and less important in their lives. And they are now free from that because there is a demonstration of the good news. And demonstration of the good news becomes a testimony in our lives to speak of the good news to someone else to invite them in. To announce, to publish, to preach. You know, God's, God's way of spreading the message has always been word of mouth. Word of mouth is still the best advertisement there is. Did you know that? You know how word of mouth advertisement gets around now? It's called social media. It's, it's word of text, I know, but it, it's like things we would make. Well, some of them we would say, but um, <laughs> some of them we would only type. But, you know, when something goes, what, viral, that, is, that is, has nothing to do with the network news. That has nothing to do with people in authority. That has nothing to do with the president or the kings. That has to do with me sharing it with someone else I know in some form or way. Because when something goes viral, it's basically been passed on from one person to another. And that's how God designed the kingdom of God, the good news to happen is it has to be passed on by word of mouth. It's got to come from a person. I mean, I'm, you know, we, we got a billboard as we drive into Midland that says repent or whatever. Look, that billboard is not going to save anybody. If God uses it, great. That's awesome. I have nothing against signs or billboards or any of those things, advertisement, you know, putting things out there. But here's the deal. Most people accept the good news because of a person. Maybe it's a person preaching up here. Maybe it's a, it's a, a neighbor. Maybe it's a coworker. But there is most likely a person... You know, there's every once in a while where God just encounters someone and they're, you know, staying away from people so much that God says, fine, I'm just going to show up and use a TV show or, you know, he's not limited in any way. But he invites us to be a part of bringing the good news to the world. Now, in the New Testament, you'll see it's, it's all over the place. And I'm, I just want to read a free, few scriptures here to show you that this trans this is not just an Old Testament idea. And in fact, we would know that if you read the Old Testament, there's a lot of bad news uh, going on. But this is proclaiming good news. So Luke 16, let's go to that one. I'm skipping Matthew 11. Uh, We'll come back to that later. Luke 16, verse 16. Oops, we put in six. (laughs) That's probably my typo. So don't look back at at the people in in the box back there. Yes, it's 1616. So you have to open your Bible. It says, The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached, and everyone is forcing their way into it. So when did the good news of the kingdom start? What did it say? Since John the Baptist. Right there. That was like the beginning of the message of the kingdom. What did Jesus say when he showed up? Hey, the kingdom, the kingdom's here. And we talked about the kingdom for a number of weeks at the start of this year. Um, go to, uh, you can go to Acts 542. 
when Jesus died and was resurrected and commissioned his disciples and then was ascended into heaven and left them with his mission, his ministry in the world. All through the book of Acts, you'll see this phrase over and over again. I just want to read a couple. Acts 5.42. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming what? The good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Acts 11.20 says this. When they were... They were pushed out of the city because of persecution. They had, to, they had to get away because they were going to be killed. And so they began to flee. Man, we've never even faced anything like that in our country. We think people making fun of Christians now. Come on now. They're killing them in some nations. Some of them, so they're fleeing for their lives. But it says some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, they went to Antioch. And they show up and they begin to speak to Greeks. At first, they were just talking with the Jews. They didn't understand quite yet. They, they had to get it by osmosis. Hey, this is for everybody. Also telling them what? The good news about the Lord Jesus. There's like tons of places in the book of Acts. You want to know what the church started? Their message, it says they were just over and over again. Hey, let me tell you the good news. You know, when you're in a place where things are hard, where things are tough, where, you know, when you're at the hospital and your loved one is in the emergency room, when the doctor comes out, what are you waiting for? You're only waiting for one thing. You want good news. If a doctor comes out and says, hey, good news. Right away, whew, relief, freedom, peace happens in your life, right? If you're worried about, uh, you know, your finances, you're like, how are we going to make it? How are we going to make it? How are we going to make it? You check the mail, and you've got a check that came in the mail unexpectedly, and you turn to your spouse or your kids or your family member and say, hey, good news. We got a check in the mail. It's good news. We have a message that's good. And we can't allow our culture to twist it to say, no, you're not bringing good news. No, this is the good news. The good news is that Jesus is the Savior. And He has made a way for everyone to enter into wholeness, everyone to enter into relationship with God the Father, everyone to be born again, to be changed, to be transformed. It's always good to start with the good news. Now, people do sometimes need the bad news. When you're in the hospital and you're, someone you love is hurt, you already know you're in a desperate situation. You don't need to, you don't need to be, have someone explain to you, oh, this is really tough, this is really hard, this is a really bad situation. There are some times when people don't realize they're in a bad situation. We were born in a bad situation. We were born into sin. We were born into brokenness. We were born into rebellion unto God. Not only that, we went ahead and chose it ourselves. Every single one of us. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us in this world, every single human being is in need of the good news that Jesus, what? Hey, first of all, loves you. Jesus loves you. He desires you. He, he, he picked you. He wants exactly who you are to come to Him. That's good news for people who've been rejected all their life. 
That's good news for someone who's in broken relationships over and over and over and over again. That's good news for someone who was abandoned by their father. That's good news by, for someone who is, who is abused in some way by someone else. Hey, it's good news. Hey, Jesus is, is here for you. He came for you. He loves you. You know, on Wednesday night, we watched a little video, uh, one of the messages from convention. And uh, Jesus, it's Jesus talking to the woman at the well. And, you know, Jesus starts with the good news. Hey, I've got, I've got living water. I've got living water that you need. And she said, give me this water. And what did Jesus do? He's, he's, he's been talking to her. He's been blessing her. He's been giving her value. He's been speaking life to her. He's been encouraging her. He's been doing all this stuff. And then he, he has to get her to say, hey, go call your husband. She's like, I don't have a husband. In fact, the guy, I'm, I'm just living with a guy right now. I'm, I'm in sin. I'm in a broken place. And Jesus says, now receive the good news. <laughs> She's like, when the Messiah comes, it'll work out. He says, hey, I'm him. The good news is me. The good news is a person. Not only is the anointing a person, (laughs) the good news is a person. In the New Testament, we we have a name for the good news. What is the name for the good news? The gospel. In Greek, it's eongelion, which literally means good news. So when you say someone, hey, we need to preach the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. That every that Jesus is who he says he is. He did what the Bible says he did. And he will do what he says he will do for you. So in Isaiah 61, it says to proclaim the good news to the poor. Now, the word poor there in Hebrew is the word anon, which means poor, needy, weak, or afflicted. You know, it's not literally just talking about Lack of funds. You know, when we think of the word poor, we might just think, oh, that's somebody who doesn't have enough money or doesn't have a lot of money. I mean, here's the deal. We have to realize in our country, I understand this is not true for everybody, but if you make $100 a day, which is not a whole lot of money if you add it all up, if you make $100 a day, you are the 1% of the world. You make more money than 99% of the human beings that exist on earth. You have more wealth than 99% of humans living on earth right now. That's crazy. We are blessed here in the United States. Whether we, we know it or not, if we've forgotten it... Uh, I'm reminding us that we are blessed. So it's not, it's not, about, it's not so much about, about money, so to speak. It do, I think it does, does mean that. But I think it means 
when we're going to proclaim the good news to the poor, I think of someone who's in need, someone who's afflicted, someone who's, who's weak, someone who needs help. You know, when Jesus showed up and John the Baptist was questioning him, this is Matthew 11, 1, what does Jesus say about, hey, hey, are you, are you the one we're supposed to wait for or is there going to be somebody else? You know, even John the Baptist questioned, hey, Jesus, are you real? After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, that's not the right one either, is it? <laughs> Boy, that is not the correct scripture. Okay, so I'll just tell you the scripture. Maybe it's Luke 11, 1. I don't know. Um, <laughs> maybe it's Luke 11, 11. We just put in all ones. But when Jesus is questioned, let's see if I can find it here. Mm. Oh, verse 4. So when they come, they say, Jesus replied, Hey, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are re- raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. So Jesus is referencing part of Isaiah 61 right there to say, hey, are, are you the Messiah? Are you the one we're, we're waiting for? And Jesus says, hey, look, the, the, all this stuff is happening. You know, Jesus, a lot of times, we were talking about this Wednesday night, a lot of times people say, hey, are you the one? And he'll answer in some little bit different way than we're like, just say yes or no, dude. <laughs> I mean, I do that with my kids. You know, sometimes I'm like, Airlie's trying to talk to me. I'm like, do you want this? Yeah, just say yes or no. Yes or no. Like, bah, 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 I, don't, I can't understand all that. So just, just yes or no. But sometimes Jesus says, hey, I want you to dig in a little bit. He's saying, hey, look, look what's happening. See, God likes us sometimes to hear something so we're drawn in. So we seek it out. So we, so we press into him like, hey, how come God doesn't just lay it all out so I can just see it clearly? It's like, no, he wants you to pursue. He wants you to go after it. He wants you to, to dig into what he's saying. So he, he quotes and he references a lot in Isaiah 61, just like he did when he stood up in Luke 4 and said, hey, this scripture is fulfilled in your, in, your, in, your, uh, in your hearing today. Jesus is saying the same thing. He's saying, look, hey, but look, all this stuff's happening. The dead are raised, the blind see, the lame walk, and... Hey, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Those who are afflicted, those who are, who are weighed down, those who are beaten down. Really, what does it mean to be poor? You can't change your situation. That's ultimately what it means to be poor, is you have no power to get out of what you're stuck in, to be stuck in a place where you cannot get to where you need to be. Where you cannot have what you need, what you need to have for your needs to survive for life. That can be something that's physical, where it's financial. That can be something emotional. It can be relational, and it certainly can be spiritual. That every single person, the good news is for the poor. I need uh, Stephen Cooper or Stephen John Cooper. I'll get you next time. <laughs> Okay, so I want, I'm, these guys are going to stand here for a long time while I preach. Um, <clears throat> just wanted you to stand there. Okay, so here's the deal. You know, we're born in this place that's a, a place of a brokenness. And, you know, we're, we're in a place of affliction. We've been beat down. We cannot get out of 
where we are. So I want you guys both to just kneel down here. Can you just kind of kneel down? Um, okay. So we're in a place where they cannot get up on their own. So you can pretend that you can't get up, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say go to sleep. No, okay. <laughs> so here's what happens when the good news comes to the poor, the afflicted, the ones who are beaten down, the good news is this. You can get up now. This is grace. To be lifted up from a place where you could not get out of. You you aren't the one that did the lifting. And then he gets to proclaim the good news to the next one because now that he he has received grace, now he can go to someone else Because he has received grace from Jesus, he has been transformed, and he has been given strength. He can now reach into someone else's life and lift them up as well. Thank you all. That's what grace means. To be Part of what it is is to be lifted up into a place that you couldn't get on your own. To be lifted up to be a person that you couldn't be on your own. See, the message of the good news is not, hey, you need to get your life right. And if you try hard enough, then hopefully you'll measure up to what God thinks you should be. See, there's been, there's been a confusion because we haven't proclaimed the clear gospel of Jesus that some people think it's about getting their life right. You just need to get in church. Well, if it's just you getting in church and there's no grace and you're not being lifted from somewhere else and you're not coming from being in a place of affliction and brokenness and ultimately being poor to being lifted up to where what? When you're lifted up into grace, it says you receive every spiritual blessing that's in heaven in Christ. That's rich right there. Now, see, grace in some ways is the opposite of pride. Pride is this. I'm down, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lift myself up. When I lift myself up, it's pride. I'm aligning myself with the devil. Because the devil was the original one who said, I'm going to lift myself up to the level of God. And so pride is like ultimately probably the anointing of the enemy. To, I'm going to do it myself. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And we make vows. We, make, we, we, set, we, we declare things over our lives that hold us captive. We think we're, we're lifted up. But in the, in the grand scheme of things, we're still really bound. We've still got chains on our, on our hearts and our minds and our, and our lives weighing us down. And it doesn't matter how many times we try to lift ourselves up. We can't, we can't be lifted on our own. We need the grace of God to come in. We need the good news of Jesus. Hey, the good news is you can get out of that. You can be free. You can be different. And it's not you. The good news is not you. That's, that is good news. When you get older, as, as you get a little bit older, you realize that more and more. It's really good that it's not me. Because, look, let me tell you, I, you know, I used to think I was pretty good at a lot of stuff. The older I get, and it's not just age, it's not just that I can't jump aside on the basketball court anymore. 
and can't throw the baseball as hard. But uh, the more you live this life, you realize, you know what? Me is not going to cut it. I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not going to cut it. There's, there's nothing in me apart from God that can give anything of value. I need the good news. You know, the rest of Isaiah 61 in many ways is the unpacking of what the good news looks like. Binding up the brokenhearted. Setting free the captives. Hey, that's, that's the effect of receiving the good news in your life. Is all those things begin to be happening. Beauty for ashes. Oil of joy for mourning. All those things. That's, that's, the, that's the fruit of the reception of the good news. I want us to close here with uh, going to Luke 14. So if you want to go to Luke 14. I think, it's, I think this is the right scripture this time actually. But we'll, we'll check. Luke 14. And we're going to look at Jesus' parable here. The parable of the great banquet. Luke 14 and 15. It says, when, when one of those at the table with him heard this, uh, Jesus had just uh, talked about, you know, not being the first one to, to come to the table and, and then to invite those who don't deserve it to your table, basically. Hey, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And when one of those heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus said, hey, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just, I've just bought a field. Got it. I got to go mow it. I got to go take care of it. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, hey, I've just, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married. Can't come. Got to take care of that wife. Okay. The servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and, and ordered his servants, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited who refused the invitation will get a taste of my banquet. You know, Jesus is telling a parable and he's talking about the Pharisees, basically the, the Jewish people who were, God was inviting them and they basically were making excuses. No, we don't, we don't, want, we don't want that. You're not the one. Jesus, we're not going to trust you as the Messiah. And so Jesus said, hey, guess what? We're going we're gonna to invite everybody in and we're going to go to the ends of the earth. And it says there, I love this part where it says, there is still room. We have to remember there's still a lot of room for people to come to Jesus. There's still a lot of room. 
that we have an assignment, that part of the reason we have God's presence in our lives is so that we bring the good news to those who need it. We bring those, hey, they may not look like the people, oh man, are those the kind of people I want in my church or that? I mean, there's all kinds of crazy things that have been said in church before. I was in a church one time, get the, okay, maybe I shouldn't say that. I was in a church one time, and there was, there was like, there was a ministry in the area to the, to the very poor in the area. And they were helping them financially. They'd get them food. They'd help them get, you know, whatever they needed for their houses or something. And as somebody made the comment, oh, man, we could have all kinds of those people filling up our church. Well, why not? Well, they can't tithe. Uh, we've kind of got off track here. Uh, <laughs> Captain Kirk. Beam us up to the real thing here. There's still a lot of room in God's kingdom. And we have to be careful that we don't see someone and go, eh. Because it's easy. It's easy to judge on the outside. It's easy to say, that person isn't wanting to hear that. We don't know that. You don't know. The per- sometimes the person least likely, that looks least likely to receive is the person most ready to respond. And so the Spirit of the Lord, again, it's the, the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to lead us, the Holy Spirit. But it's a word of mouth deal here, people, just a reminder. You know, I love Frank Sat- St. Francis of Assisi's quote. People have used it so much. It's, it's this. Preach the gospel at, a, at all times. And if necessary, use words. Okay? But here's the deal. Most of the time, words are needed. His point was, make sure you're lining up with what you're saying. That's what he was talking about. I've actually heard it quoted so many different ways. I've heard it quoted, preach the gospel at all times and every now and then use words. No, that's, that's, not, that's not the thing. No, you're, you're going to use words. It's, it means, hey, the anointing is on your life so that you are rubbed in so much with Jesus that you look like him. Then when you speak his words, people are like, yeah, that makes sense. That lines up. If they see you and your words don't line up with who your life is, it's like you don't look like him. You don't look any any different than anybody else. The good news is tainted with the life of someone who isn't living the good life in Jesus Christ. And it's not a thing to like, oh man, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. No. No, 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 because you're, you're, you're stepping out of the good news then. The good news is the grace is available. You can. You have the power to do this. The same Holy Spirit that was upon the Apostle Paul is upon you. Don't minimize who you are. Don't limit what God can do with you. Don't allow the mistakes you've made to hold you back. Because the gospel says, I paid for all those sins. And the more we're aware, it says, he who's forgiven much, loves much. Hey, if you send a lot, congratulations, you're going to love Jesus. A whole, whole lot. That doesn't disqualify you 
That just means you're, you're just like everybody else. You had to be forgiven of much. Let's bring the good news. Let's stand and, and close in prayer. So if you would, if you want to, if you feel that, if you're in agreement, just go ahead and put your hand on your mouth as I pray. We're just gonna we're just gonna pray over our mouths. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon us, and you have anointed us to proclaim the good news to the poor, to the afflicted, to the needy, to the weak, to the beaten down, to the lost, to the fearful, to the hurting, to the angry, to the rebellious, to the haters of God, to the good people, to the politicians, to the celebrities, to the unknowns, to our neighbors, to our co-workers. Let our mouths bring good news. Let us not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it's the power of God until, unto the salvation of everyone who believes. Anoint our mouths, God, that we might speak your word at the right time to the right person with the right words so that we get the harvest that you paid for. In Jesus' name, amen.